Okay, this is Liz Dolan here, and it's our first day of the new show, Safe for Work. And I'm here with Matt Ritter. It's your first day. Welcome. Tell me about, like, the worst first day you've ever had in your career. The worst first day I ever had was the first job I had after I left Big Law. I came out from New York, and I was working out here as a writer's assistant. I got a job for a pretty successful producer. Okay, good. Or so I thought. Uh-huh. We worked out the salary, which was pretty low, but par for the course, and all the other details. And location-wise, he said, we're going to be working from his home office. So I show up for work, and it turns out it was at his house. But when I say his house, I mean the one he grew up in as a child. Really? His you- parents' home. Were his parents still in the the home? They were very much in the home. Oh, my God, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. He was in his late 30s, so I guess, you know, it's not that crazy, but... No, it is that crazy. (laughs) Completely not what I was expecting, right? Like, we're fully working from his parents' kitchen. It took me like a half hour to even realize this was his parents' home. Because we're sitting there, and I'm all like, oh, this is actually like a big old house with a lot of pictures of you as a child on the fridge. That's kind of weird. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, his mom, I sort of got, walks in holding a tray of snacks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which would be amazing Thanks, if this was mom. like my high school job, you know? Yeah. And then it hit me, right? And I was like, all right, I'm not going to say anything about it, you know? And to top it off, his dad was retired. So his dad was just ambling about the house in dirty sweats, just dirty sweatpants. Oh, wow. And- Look, they were really nice. It wasn't it wasn't that bad. It was just that it made me feel super duper unprofessional because my last job, I was working on the 39th floor of the Citigroup building in yeah. New York. And now I'm working at somebody's parents' house in Calabasas, you know, and my parents are calling me like, oh, what's the office like? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's nice. It's quaint. It's very quaint. <laughs> So I guess the lesson there is uh, when you take a new job, just make sure you swing by the office and get the specs before you actually agree to the job. (laughs) Well, here we are in the Wondery Studios. It's super professional. And I'm sure this first day is going to be way better than that one. It's great. And somebody brought me snacks here, too. The experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you. Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech capability that connects the world inside to the world outside. With Amazon Alexa, enabled with Sync 3 AppLink, you have access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo. Alexa's activated by the sound of your voice. Hey Alexa, what's the weather like tomorrow? Currently, it's 46 And responds using your car's speakers. With the Waze integration that appears right on the nav screen, you'll transform traffic jam streets into clear roads. Got a load of friends? Keep them connected with a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With the 2019 Lincoln MKC, life gets a little easier. From the moment you leave home to the moment you return. Hey Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D.
D-E-R-Y. From Wondery, this is Safe for Work. Job stress, life relief. I'm Liz Dolan. And I'm Matt Ritter. On today's show, we'll be chatting with Rain Wilson about his production company, Soul Pancake. I'm super excited about that. And one of his first days of work. And, of course, about playing Dwight on The Office, the world's most dreaded co-worker. Shoot! (laughs) But first, welcome to our first show. I think it's time for some introductions. Matt, of course... I know who you are. You're sitting right here, but the folks listening might not. Well, if they don't, uh, believe it or not, I'm a recovering corporate lawyer Mm -hmm. turned comedian and executive recruiter. And let me tell you something. I have worked in more crazy workplaces than I care to ever think about. I want to hear all about them. And we are going to do that. What about (laughs) you, Liz? Well, I've spent many years running marketing at big global organizations, including Nike, the Oprah Winfrey Network, and National Geographic channels. I've worked in a lot of different company cultures. I've had a lot of bosses, most of them good, some bad. I've been a boss for a long time. Mainly good, I think, but occasionally bad. We're going to have to get you to dish on that. Yes, totally. I'd like to confess all of my sins. Plus, I run a media company with my sisters. We produce podcasts and books as the Satellite Sisters. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about our show and what we're going to do here, Matt. And then you guys can decide whether you even pay attention to anything that we say. (laughs) No, you must pay attention to everything that we say. That's right, yes. Because our goal is to help you find happiness and contentment at work. You know... The culture is so filled with people telling you how to crush it at work, how to get rich and successful. And, you know, that's just not what we're interested in here. It's my experience after many years in many different workplaces that the essential difference between loving your job, between feeling excited about what you do every day and not, is really the people you work with. It's not so much the job as much as it is how well you communicate and collaborate with your colleagues. You know, workplaces can be super intense, super complicated, unexpected things happen, and we're never really trained on how to deal with all of that. And we're not going to promise to make you richer or more beautiful or make you a master of the universe. Our hope here is that we make you happier, more fulfilled at work, and you know what? Just get you through to Friday. Friday. So on this show, we're going to listen to your calls and questions. We're going to try to understand what's really important to you and maybe help you articulate what's really important to you. Uh, And then we're going to give you our two cents on how to get the best result for you personally and for your career. Each episode, we'll also be talking to a guest. We'll have all kinds of amazing people, including business experts, people who've gone through fascinating career experiences, and some people who are just fun to talk to. Okay. Well, now that that's all settled, how about we get some listener calls? You ready for your first call, Matt? Let's crush it. No, no crushing. We're not crushing here. Okay, fine. Let's just help people (laughs) and have some fun. Yes. Hello? Oh, hey. Is this Sarah? Yeah, this is Sarah. Sarah, it's Liz and Matt. It's Safe for Work. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hi. We are delighted to have you. So what's up, Sarah? So I am in the process. I'm literally sitting in an empty apartment right now because I'm up and moving myself from San Diego up to the Bay Area for a new job. That's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. 
It does mark the first time that I've moved for a job, though, especially a job that's kind of a big deal for me. So I'm curious as to what advice you guys have in terms of moving to a new city for a job and making the best first impression with your new team. Uh, all those, the first day of school jitters, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've, exactly. I've gone through that many, many times. Well, let me talk about the workplace for a second. Um you know, I'm sure you got hired because you're going to be great at your job, right, Sarah? So okay. you're confident that you have the skills. Yeah. The I think lots of times when people walk into a new environment, they're so focused on getting the job done, nose to the grindstone kind of stuff, that they focus on, like, what does their boss want? And then what do they need to tell their subordinates to do? Uh, so, so in your case, will you have people reporting to you? I don't, but I'm going to be project managing, so I've got a okay. lot of people to wrestle around. <laughs> okay, exactly. So that, that makes my advice even more relevant because I always tell people, make sure you're paying attention to your peers and colleagues at the same level because I've watched people overlook that, making lots of transitions into new jobs and new companies in the past where the people in there – the specific chain of command that they're in, they're like hyper-focused on them. But you forget that you can learn a lot about the culture of a company and what works and what doesn't and what the other business priorities are by spending time talking to your colleagues, even if they are not directly related to the work that you do. But this is especially true if you have a project management kind of job. Your number one skill is going to be to build those kinds of connections with the people throughout the organization that are at your peer level. So the so don't overlook that. Like yeah. get out and about, meet people, talk to people, even if they don't work on your project would be my number one thing. I, I agree with that. And I, I would add to that, don't just talk to them. It's your first day. Say, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And as you're chit-chatting over lunch, say, hey, anything you think I need to know about the company? You know, it's my first day. I want to make a good impression. And I would also, you know, look at some clues at the office of what kind of office you're going to, if you're not really sure how things run around there and how they operate, there's always a few clues. Like I would say two or three, one would be, Hey, are, is everybody's doors open or closed? Are people talking at work or are they silent? Mm -hmm. You know, are people eating at their desk? These will kind of give you a hint as to what kind of workplace you're walking into. So you'll know, Hey, maybe I shouldn't be super loud if everybody's quiet at that floor. <laughs> And what kind of business is this? Is this something where you're going to just be it's screen time all the time or where it will be collaboration face to face? It's going to be a combo, but because our team is spread out all over the country, not to mention the world, then we're definitely going to still have a lot of screen time with yeah. online meetings and things like that, too. That's another thing about first impressions that I think people forget, that sometimes you're just typing to people. and It's just as important to be the self you want to be, to communicate in an authentic voice that way in your email communications or on the Slack channels or whatever it is, as it is the people that you bump into uh, at the actual coffee maker. So like trying to be your true self. Like if you walk in and you're the authentic Sarah on day one, then you can just stick with that as opposed to <laughs> trying to be a certain kind of person in the beginning and then transition into your authentic self. I find that rarely works. Yeah. I, it's like, it's like dating. You just be yourself and hopefully they'll love <laughs> so you for far, who so you good. are. And like to end like dating, I would say, Matt, listening is even more important than talking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So you're sitting in an empty apartment right now. It's go time. Congratulations and good luck. We want to hear back from you. Thank you.
Hello? Hey, Kelly. This is Liz and Matt with Safe for Work. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? We are great. So I understand you've been having some issues with feedback in the workplace. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, no problem. So I work in finance um, for a Fortune 50 company, and I got promoted a little less than a year ago, which was awesome. But every few months or so since I got that promotion, I've been hearing and getting feedback, um, mostly in the line of needing to be more professional at work. Um, Two recent examples were uh, I commented to another uh, coworker that a teammate of mine who was able to get some flexible scheduling. So maybe working from home four out of five days a week and only coming into the office one day a week was was pretty lucky and that our department really doesn't do flexible working very well. And then the other piece of, um, and so another manager overheard that, came to my manager and it eventually made its way back to me that maybe I shouldn't have said that or that I should basically mind my own business. Mm -hmm. And then the second time it happened, a manager um, overheard me on a Friday joking to my teammate Um, that it might be a light day um, since our boss was out of the office that day. Uh, Mm. And so this feedback kind of just makes its way to me, either through my manager, through my director. And I guess what I'm really wondering is, am am I wrong in thinking these other managers are overreacting and kind of taking this 360 feedback too far? Or do I really need to um, cut out these sidebar conversations and try and rein it in? Well, let me just say, first of all, I can empathize because I was the office jokester. I left my job as a lawyer to do comedy. So if, <laughs> if anyone understands that desire to keep the workplace light, it's me. I was the guy who was joking around all the time. People would hang out. I was the office, the, the break room hero, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say every office has one. Yeah, but I will say the, there were a couple of topics that I probably wouldn't have joked about. And from just quickly hearing what you're talking about, you know, the, the topics that you've chosen to kind of joke about are a little bit of danger areas because you're I guess what I would say is you're kind of cutting into the sacred cows of the workplace. Like, you know, when talking about working from home, like that's if somebody had to ask for a work from home situation, like that's a very tough ask for them. And it's probably something that everybody, you know, has to kind of tread lightly on. So I would say like topic wise, if you want to make jokes, that's definitely an area that I would steer clear of because that's more like kind of passive aggressive talking badly about the workplace itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just jokester term. Yeah. I mean, Kelly, do, I mean, does that does that resonate what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm a little I guess I, I need to know more, you know, are are the jokes that you got called out on? Was it just those or are you getting called out, you know, constantly anytime you joke around? Yeah, yeah, I'd say those are the examples that stick out. But I'd say I I feel like it's more personality based almost like I tend to be a little bit louder in the aisles, I would say than my coworkers, I, you know, there may be a group of us all around talking and laughing, maybe on a Friday, but then it feels like I'm the one that's getting the feedback that, you know, I need to maybe button it up a little bit more. Um, And so it's starting to feel like my personality is a bit of a liability um, just in general. You know, Kelly, this is Liz. That's what it sounded like to me, too, when I heard you talking about it and read your original letter. To me, this sounds like coded communication, and they're trying to tell you something important but not doing it very well. They're picking on a few random things, and that they're trying to manage your, not your performance, which you say is good, but your personality and behavior. And 
that is never a good sign. When people say things to you like, we need you to be more professional, or in your letter it was be more mature, if, if you've heard that more than once or twice, that is something that you really, really need to pay attention to. Because in my experience, sometimes you can, you can manage people through their performance. You sit down and you say you need to do this better or you need to do that better. But when you get to the point where you're saying you just need to be a different person, that's, that's really bad. And you really need to think about whether this is the natural home for you. Because I would never say nobody should ever go into work and have to be a different person than they really are. Right. So if you're yeah. out, if you're outgoing and energetic in a department where they really frown upon that, then you just need to think about whether you're going to be satisfied having to edit yourself all the time. I would suggest that you won't be satisfied doing that. Yeah. There's a lot of workplaces that I'm too loud for. Yeah. For sure. You really? Know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I had to, and again, as a boss, I can remember one time having to manage someone who I just felt had a super negative personality, kind of the opposite of what you're describing, Kelly. And it's a terrible dilemma as a boss, because what are you going to do? Say like, well, could you just like, you know, lighten up a little bit? Or you're not, you're no longer even talking about their performance. You're just talking about their overall demeanor in the office, which you can't really manage. Once once I found myself trying to talk to employees about more their personality, I was like, oh, this marriage cannot be saved. <laughs> that's kind of right. that's kind of where I would come out as a boss. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I hear what you're saying. Like what Matt's saying is like I can choose the things that I talk about, right? Sure. The things mm-hmm. that I the things that I choose to engage in conversation about with my coworkers. And maybe what I can't choose is, you know, the attitude with with which i with which i bring or or kind of my vibe right right you can't i I need to play with that a little (laughs) bit but i totally hear what you're saying matt about the the certain topics that are you know hey if you're going to talk about them maybe take it take it down to the to the coffee shop right like out of earsight of managers and directors if you really need to vent um and then balancing that with still wanting to be who I am at work. Yeah, totally. And I like your vibe. I feel like we would get along. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I'm glad you're hearing what I'm saying because, you know, maybe this workplace isn't for you, but even another workplace, those two examples probably wouldn't be okay, even in a cooler, more laid back vibe. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate the advice. I think I knew it in my heart and in my head, but it's all, it's just good to hear it from someone else that I'm not crazy for wanting to be myself. Um, but also keeping in mind, if I want to move up in any organization that, you know, there's that level of professionalism, um, that can, that can, it can vibe with my personality. If I, if I find the right place, you can do it. Okay. Good luck. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This is Liz. And, you know, I run my own small business now, and I've run big global businesses in the past. And one thing I've learned is this. Hands down, the hardest thing about running a company is hiring the right people. And the hardest thing about hiring the right people is finding the best candidates. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way. So they built a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. 
you know, one of ZipRecruiter's great features is that they spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. Thank you, Zippy. That's so great because I used to miss a lot of them. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, Safe for Work listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. F-R-E-E free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash safe. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash safe. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash safe. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Believe me, if you're anything like me, you're a dreamer, you've got big ideas, you know that the next big idea is the one, you just don't know how to share it with people. Well, now, making your next move is easy, thanks to Squarespace. Squarespace offers beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They have this powerful all-in-one platform and comes with 24-7 customer support. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. I am not a tech person, so this works great for me. I'm a creative. It's a wide range of creatives and people and businesses that are already using Squarespace as a way to present their ideas online. Now it's your turn. What are you waiting for? Just get out there. You've already thought it. You've already dreamt it. Now make it with a website from Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And if you'd like to support this show and you want to hear more shows like it, then please, when you're ready to purchase, use the offer code SAFE to get 10% off on your first website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code SAFE. Welcome back. Right now, we're very excited to have Rain Wilson on today's show. Of course, we all know about Rain's role in The Office, but in addition to that, he's written an autobiography called The Bassoon King, founded his own digital media company, Soul Pancake, and he's a podcaster himself. Rain, thank you so much for being here on our first episode of Safe for Work. Congratulations on the new podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks. So what are you working on right now? I'm in Chicago right now. I'm doing a play at the Steppenwolf Theater, which uh, is kind of a dream for me. I went to high school in Chicago, and uh, of course, Steppenwolf being a really uh, famous theater, so I'm getting to work here, and uh, it's uh, it's really cool and scary. That's great. Scary. What, what's so scary about it? Well, it's Don't a you huge, have this down by now? Come on. It's a huge production, and it's uh, a ton of lines and a lot of work. Theater is hard. TV is so easy. You roll up <laughs> and they cook you breakfast and you have a handful <laughs> of lines and you sit around most of the day and they treat you like a king. And if anyone complains about TV work, then just don't listen to them because it's the easiest job in the world. But theater is like really hard. Okay. So it is our first episode. So we're talking a lot about like our worst or best first days of work. Do you have like a worst day of work story you want to share or best day, best first day? I have a lot of really bad work stories, um, but <laughs> I don't know if there any of them happen on a first day of work. Okay. Um, but um, I worked picking raspberries when I was a child, which was basically forced child labor. Uh-huh. Um, yes. And you didn't know that then, though. I didn't know that then. I thought I was making some summer spending money. But when I look back on it, I was like, wait a minute. This is kind of child slavery. Okay. The, uh, the berry farms in, in the Seattle area, they uh, got around uh, paying people by um, allowing you to they, – they would buy the flat of berries. So if you picked a flat of, bear, of raspberries, they would pay you $1.25 for it. 
So they, you weren't mm-hmm. on the payroll. And we all started, we were like 13, 14 years old. They would bus us in on a bus and we would pick these flats of berries and then they would pay us, you know, buy the flat. And um, it was basically child labor. I was basically like a little Pakistani boy sewing <laughs> soccer ball. And but did it feel good to you at the time? Like that was that your first real cash money kind of job? Yeah, it was my first cash money kind of job. And well, I had a paper route for a while, but um, that stopped. Actually, one of the worst days of work was having to collect from my paper route and knock on the door. And then there was an enormous, very hairy, very naked man at the door. <laughs> and I think I was twelve, so that was a pretty bad day of work. But yeah, we, when you gave up going back to the raspberries, we thought it was pretty fun. You know, it was just, um, uh, it was kind of like summer camp plus money plus lots yeah. of hard work baking in the sun. Well, your life now, you probably have a lot of different kinds of work choices than you had then. Yes. So, so tell me about Soul Pancake. So, in addition to the live theater that you're doing right now, you have your own company. They do a lot of interesting things. I love that the motto at Soul Pancake is, we make stuff that matters. I think that's what everyone wants out of their work. What is it? Yeah, so it's a it's a digital media company. I started with some friends um, eight years ago or so, and um, we wanted to do something cool and unique and positive on the internet. And we started it as a website, and that didn't really work so much. But we started making video content and. Kind of swiftly discovered we were much better at doing that, and so we started making kind of uplifting, human, uh, inspiring videos that that challenged us on a human level and dug into life's big questions. And that was the household pancake began. And now we've got I don't know two and a half, three million YouTube subscribers, and we do work with a lot of different brands and uh, developing television shows and stuff like that. It's been uh, an incredible roller coaster ride and a super fun journey being a part of it. I really like that a lot of what Soul Pancake does is to explore and redefine like big awesome words like spirituality and God and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, that's yeah. obviously super important to you. Then and it's it's just so nice to see that that you can weave all of that into your work life as well as your life life. Yeah, I was thinking about some of the big issues we'll be dealing with on this show, and one of them is the the word work itself. You know, because I think people struggle with what their work should be, what is their life's calling, you know, how much should they get out of work versus the rest of your life. So I was thinking maybe maybe work is a word we need to redefine, you know, maybe try to make that more workable for people. More workable. Ba-boom, boom. <laughs> nice. So when you think about what your work means to you, how would you define that? I, I think that, you know, the best kind of work... Um, uh, is a service to other people. So the best kind of work, and I think almost any kind of job that you do can help make the world a better place. I um, think that's true. You know, I don't know how to redefine work, but I do know that when you view your work as service to others, to humanity, to your family, uh, that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very special. Okay, so here we are. Matt and I are new on this job, um, advice givers here on Safe for Work. So if you don't mind, I wanted to get your advice 
for how we could get better at our jobs of helping people deal with the people at work better. Because a lot of what we do, you know, I think a lot of the satisfaction at work, it's more of an EQ thing than an IQ thing, Mm -hmm. being able to get along with people, understand and listen. So I'm going to give you an example of a letter we got, and you tell me what advice you would give this person. Okay, good. Okay, here we go. I have the world's most annoying coworker. He is a power-hungry suck-up who inserts himself into everything going on around the office. He is a rule follower to the extreme, um, and he is... Uh, Let me just stop himself- you right there for a second. Did Jim Halpert <laughs> write this letter? <laughs> yes, obviously I am describing Dwight Schrute. Yes. And... So, okay, Rain Wilson, if Dwight Schrute was your was at the <laughs> desk next to you, like where do you begin to deal with someone like that in the workplace? It happens. Oh my god, it totally happens. It's one of the reasons the office was so successful is it's yeah. it's relatable. Everyone has had a boss like Michael Scott. Yep. Um I I once worked at the Multiple Sclerosis Society doing special events fundraising and I had a boss lean in way too close to me, look me in the eye and say Rain, I need someone in this job who, when I say jump, says, how high? Oh, and, God. and he said it without any irony at all, just like, <laughs> and I was thinking, I was only like 23 at the time. I was thinking, like, does this guy know he's a walking cliche? But he had no idea, just completely clueless. Um, right. I was not the guy for him because I'm, I'm not a how high can I jump kind of person. But, um, yeah, he had seen that in a movie or a TV show or something. Exactly. Well. Yeah, that's exactly. going to be my style of leadership. Um, how do you deal with Dwight Schrute in the, in the workplace? I'm a fairly nice person, but I, I I have no idea how to answer that question. I don't really know. Um, and um, you know, I was out of the the workplace by the time I was in my 30s. But I will say that um, there are toxic, annoying people in any situation that you go into. They're going to be at the gym. They're going to be at your church. They're going to be at family reunions. So it's more of a life philosophy of how you deal with people that trigger you and mm-hmm. uh, frustrate and upset you. So right. uh, it's perhaps it's looking at the good qualities that that person has. Because if you focus on the annoying qualities, you're going to drive yourself crazy every single day. So okay. one positive kind of Oprah-esque way to deal with it might be (laughs) to say, oh, well, you know, this person does like the Seahawks and this person does have a good sense of humor or this person, you know, they can be counted on to get the job done at the end of the day. So you focus on whatever good qualities they might have. Okay. All right. I I think that's very... You know, it's a, a wise, long-term approach. <laughs> it, it may or may not help you with the day-to-day, which yeah. is often what drives people crazy. It's the best I got. No, no, I like it. I like it. It's good. I, I was talking to a guy one time about on the issue of civility and just how people can be more civil. Mm-hmm. And his, I said, well, what's your definition of civility? And he said, well, civility is a combination of being calm, strong, and kind. And I thought, okay, that should be that should be leadership too. That should be work. Like if I on any given day at work, I figure if I can be one of those, great. If I can be two of those, I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe three of those is when those days when you go home from work, you think, okay, that was really super satisfying. So that's sort of my go-to. Calm, strong, and kind. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm lucky if I hit one or two of those in a day for a couple of hours. So, yeah, I think that's true of most. It's certainly true of me, but it's it's a good goal. Uh, the other for option for an annoying coworker might be putting their stapler in Jello, or <laughs> any number of other uh, annoying pranks, uh, just to keep you sane. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in today. We really appreciate it, Rain. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. Good luck with it. I can't wait to uh, hear all the episodes. I'm sure I'm not the only one who makes the same three or four things for dinner all the time. At my house, baked chicken breast, plus a fistful of bag salad. Again? So that's why I love Plated. It's new ideas and great fresh ingredients. Such a relief from my normal, boring go-tos. Plated offers 20 chef-designed recipes every week and delivers everything you need to cook right to your door. This week, I made the tomato chickpea stew. It was delish. It's a Turkish recipe with zucchini, brown rice, crispy shallots, along with the tomatoes and chickpeas. And Plated solves another thing I and personally terrible at. I never have the right spices on hand. I make stuff, and when it calls for things like coriander or cumin or something, I just skip it. So which is another reason why everything I make always tastes the same. But not with plated. I got the little spice mix bag that had everything. Cumin, coriander. What else do we have in here? Cinnamon, cayenne pepper. It was all there for me. Thank you, plated. Plated sources artisanal items and high-quality ingredients, including sustainably raised meats and organic produce when possible. Plus, everything comes in just the right portions, so you have just what you need to cook. No more, no less. Discover your ideal dinner experience. Go to plated.com safe to get 25% off your first four weeks for a limited time only. Terms apply. See plated.com safe for details. That's plated.com slash safe. Before moving on, we want to hear your burning workplace questions, and we want you to call in to get advice directly from us and workplace experts we're going to have on the show. So call us at 424-224-5711 or email us your questions and your contact information to safe at wondery.com. Here on Safe for Work, we're going to be doing a few segments that rotate from episode to episode. Today, we're doing a segment we call Work Pop. There are so many scenes from movies, TV shows, and other areas of pop culture that show people at work. So in Work Pop, we're going to play a clip from a movie or a TV show and then talk about how we might handle the situation ourselves. Or are there any real-life lessons from the scene? In honor of our buddy Rain Wilson, we decided to highlight some classic clips from The Office. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. In this clip, one of our favorite annoying co workers of all time, Dwight Schrute, is shredding documents while Jim, whose desk is right next to Dwight's, Wait, is what? on a call with a client. I'm sorry, Mr. Deckard, I think I'm I think I'm lo- I think I'm losing you. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hold on one sec. I don't know. Hold on one second. Do you really have to do that right now? Yes, I do. I should have done this weeks ago, actually. Mr. Deckert. Hello? Oh, that's it. Perfect. So what I was saying... Hello? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dwight. Retaliation. Dit for tit. That is not the expression. (laughs) Well, it should be. (laughs) 
I gotta ask you, Liz, how many times have you had to deal with a coworker like that who just knew how to push your buttons and make you crazy? <laughs> well, I've never had to go tit for tit with someone. I'll t- I'll tell you that. But yes, oh my God, I mean, yes, I've had that. And that's what you know. That's where headphones come in. Of course, you just need the headphones in your workspace. Or I had a policy that I just called DNR. Just. Do not respond. Try to be in your bubble. Do not acknowledge. Do not engage. Because I find when it's someone like that, what they want is to get your yeah. engagement, right? They just want you to I, I've had so many of those, too. I had, I had one of those pen clickers. I ended up just oh, yeah. buying them a whole bunch of pens that don't do the clicking. I've just had just people who sound like paper shredders. So I just started doing this thing where I called my quiet time and I just closed my eyes mm-hmm. and they got the message. I'd just be like, I'm, I'm meditating right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would do that. I had this one colleague in particular. I knew that any meeting that we were in together, voices would escalate, anger would come out, and I would have kind of a deep cleansing breath session in my office, not just for me, but with all of the people in my department who would also be attending the meeting. It's like we had to pregame the meeting because we would pregame it in my office like, okay, everybody, let's remember, do not go, when the voices all start to go off, when they, let's just try to see if we can at least control ourselves. And I would say, I would say it worked less than half the time. Just because they do get to you. Yeah. They do know how yeah, to get no, out they get to you. They, maybe you should just go with a whoopee cushion on their <laughs> desk and start doing some pranks like The Office or something. You know, one of those I things. am not a prankster. No. And I, I would have to say, I like, pranks in The Office? I'm not a fan of those. It's fine on the scripted office, but in real life, have you ever worked in an office where there was time spent on pranks? Uh, yeah, it wasn't really a great place to work. Yeah, I'm guessing that. It was not, it's usually not like, I think there's probably a correlation between how many pranks you do in a workplace yes. and how crappy that workplace really I, is. I would totally agree with that. Yes. And Dunder Mifflin is the perfect example of that. Yeah. Okay, so here's another clip. Michael, oh. uh, what time should I be arriving? Dwight, it's couples only. And besides, I only have six wine glasses. So it will be me and Jan and him and Jim. And Angela and Andy. Hey! Does it bother me that I wasn't invited to Michael's dinner party? <laughs> oh, poor Dwight. He's crying because he got left out of Michael's dinner party. But that does lead to an interesting topic. How do you handle it when your coworkers are socializing without you? Do you let people know it bothers you? And I know this has never happened to you. Personally. No, no, no. I think it's happened to everyone. I mean, this one actually makes me cry for real because yeah. I think we've all been in work situations where we're not one of the cool kids. You know, um, I was. I decided to be the social chair as an insecurity, <laughs> so that I could never not be invited. Oh, I okay, good strategy. Through the best parties. Okay, so you're the party monster. In yeah, every I was office? always like, hey guys, just so you know, this is what we're doing. Okay. After work, I think as, as a chip on my shoulder in case they were even thinking about doing anything without me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that the party monster was born out of insecurity. Oh, totally. I just knew that I never wanted to be friends with the party monster. Nah. I would just sort of try to hide so that I did not know what was actually happening it was born so that I the, didn't have to say I wasn't going. It was born out of the middle school insecurity of not being invited to a party and having a friend say, oh, you were on the back of the list that he wrote of oh. people he should invite. Oh. Yeah. And I think ever since then, I've always wanted to take the lead on the office uh, socializing. Okay, Matt. That is deep. Sad, yes, too. that actually, you know, that has impacted you for the rest oh, of your completely, life. Oh, completely. And it will do so. We should go get drinks after this. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel like the after hour socializing is kind of a everyone should get invited thing. I know that seems really obvious and kind of Pollyanna, but come on, if we're all going out, then we're all going out and you can't sort of pick and choose. But if you're inviting people over to your home, that is sticky because then you're, it's not a work thing. It's a social thing. And some of the people you're with at work are your friends in real life. So it's hard. You got to make sure that people aren't feeling really um, hurt by that kind of thing. Loose lips sink ships. If you're doing a couple's night (laughs) and the single people in the office didn't get invited, just don't tell them. Don't show up being like first thing Monday morning. Like, oh, that was so fun. Yeah. We should do that again. Yeah. Yeah. As the single person, can I just say, what's with couple's night? Why is that any better or different? I'm I'm happy to come just me, myself, and I. It's actually pretty boring. I think we should actually invite, I think this is good advice. The couples bring some of the single people over. They mix it up a little. God. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there we have a solution to that one. Okay, people, listen up. Everybody, I have an announcement to make. make. Fraud was committed in. Do you have an announcement? I'm. I was making it. Everybody, David Wallace and I have talked, and we have decided to promote Jim to the position of co-manager. Co-manager of what? Of your (laughs) butt, and your butt, and your butt, and your butt. All of the Scranton branch butts. What's happening to you, Michael? What's happening to me? I am also being promoted to co-manager. We will be co-managers together. So this is actually a hilarious show, but this is a serious problem, I think, Liz. How do you, how does an office handle promotions slash demotions here? Is a co-manager ever a good idea? Co-anything is a red flag that this company is on a sleigh ride to hell. That would be my that would be my experience being in lots of different kinds of companies. To me, it's the ultimate sign that management is not willing to make a decision. Management is not willing to really manage the people. There's no leadership being shown about who really should be the boss. And I hate to tell you, Michael, but when they when you get assigned big picture stuff, that is not a job. You know? I, this just reminds me of, of like Survivor or something. Every time I hear people do this in the office place, what your manager is basically doing is throwing a knife in the middle of the room and going, hey, you guys just play nice. Yeah, yeah. You'll no. figure it out. <laughs> There's two it's, knives. It's great TV comedy. It is not good business. No, it's a terrible, terrible business idea. Yeah, and I think uh, – it's it's funny too with the titles, you know, co-manager. We're getting into so many ridiculous titles in the workplace that it is harder to discern who's be- below and above whom. You know, sometimes you're at an office and you're like, "Did I just get promoted or demoted? <laughs> I don't even know." I'm the regional vice president, but they're the growth manager, growth co-manager, head of head of platform. No, that's true. I think we live in a business environment where there are a lot of completely bogus titles. Yeah, and but that raises the question of. Is your title necessarily meant to just indicate your place in the pecking order? You know, maybe it doesn't need to be that. I don't know. As long as people in the in the workplace understand, like, who's in charge, then not every title has to indicate, like, oh, I'm three. Uh, yeah. I need to know who I'm above and below, personally. You do? I, That's I need a number you. system. I'm a seven. <laughs> you're a five. Talk to me when you're a seven. Okay, that's just a little more insecurity you might want to get over. In case you missed anything from this episode, just tap the cover art to check out the notes from today's show. You'll also find our email address, safe at wondery.com, and some great offers from our sponsors, Plated, ZipRecruiter, Squarespace, and Brooklinen. This episode was hosted by me, Liz Dolan, Bossy Meredith, and Satellite Sister, and Matt Ritter. 
comedian, recovering lawyer, and executive recruiter. Our original theme song is composed by Martin Blanco. Audio engineering by Misha Stanton, produced by Cameron Cal. Executive produced by Eileen King and Marshall Louie. Created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy. But you don't have to. Most days, you've got a lot of places to go and a lot to get done before you can even think about falling into bed at night. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay connected to the world while you were out there getting it all done? What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech, including Waze integration so seamless the map appears right on the screen. Amazon Alexa, with access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo, and a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With your 2019 Lincoln MKC, you're transforming traffic jam streets into clear roads. Empowering your voice to instantly change your environment. Set temperature to 72 degrees. All to make life a little easier. And when you're finally done, ways take me home. Let's get started. You're getting a seamless experience right to the very end. Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc., registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.